After deciphering a hidden message on the hilt of his lightsaber, Castian travels to an obscure planet for a solitary retreat, but anything that seems too good to be true usually is. You should be asleep, Castian. You don't get enough chances to sleep. You don't get enough chances to rest. But when Talvi told you that there was something happening outside the bubble, you couldn't resist. And Talvi always has a way of getting Castian to not listen to the rules. So regardless of what time he's supposed to be sleeping, he makes sure to shove a sack full of rocks under his blanket and he sneaks out with Talvi through the corridors, down the halls, past the guards, past the slave masters. Past the slaves. Where are we going? I told you we're going up to the bubble. Uh, we're going to get caught and we're going to lose rations again, just like we did when you convinced me to get into the mining cart. Stop worrying so much. I'm not worrying. I'm a, I'm, I am a realist. No, you're worrying and you're going to make it not be fun anymore. Come on. Castian looks back over his shoulder towards the room he left, considers maybe he should just ignore Talvi, go back to bed... But Tavi's the only kid who still kind of acts like a kid in this mining facility, or this slave operation. So Castian groans and follows him, chasing after him to catch up. And after running and ducking through the corridors, avoiding all of the other slaves and slave masters and security droids in this mining slash slave operation, Talvi brings you up to the bubble. The bubble is officially the observation and landing deck. But since it looks like just a transparent bubble on top of an asteroid, that's how it got its name. It's not off limits for you. You have been up here before, but it's usually been as part of a crew that is hauling cargo, that is hauling ore up to a ship to be taken off the asteroid or removing supplies from a ship and disseminating them to the people here. You've never been here when it's empty. And it is now, save for you and Talvi. And he points outside the bubble and says, look! And outside, you see usually these asteroids within the asteroid field that you're part of are just drifting through space. They have their orbit. Nothing affects them. But some type of gravitational anomaly must have passed through this sector. And it has affected the orbit of many of the asteroids on the outer rim. And they are starting to crash into each other, pulverizing themselves into a beautiful display of cosmic dust. Whoa! I told ya! Oh, this is... Castian can't help as he's just transfixed as there's like explosions, but they're like muted and it's colorful, but it's also dark. It's, it's, it's really artistic and he just can't help but stand right next to Talvi with his mouth dropped and his eyes open wide. This is really cool, Talvi. Told you it'd be worth it. And as they just stand there, shoulder to shoulder, the camera would lock on their hands. And slowly but surely, Castian would reach out and he takes Talvi's hand and... Tavi squeezes. You were reminded of this memory, Castian, by watching a sandstorm outside the window of the Howling Gundark. Castian shakes his head as he doesn't like thinking about these memories. He looks back down towards the journal in his hand, and it's the journal that Kida has given him. And he's basically been glued to this journal 
ever since they made their way to Tatooine and Laris landed. She asked if he wanted to get out to stretch his legs, but there was, there's nothing of interest on Tatooine to Castian. So he's pretty much stayed in the ship, which is good because he's afraid that since his last brush of Vader, it, it's best to keep hidden and not publicize that he's on a certain planet. The trip to Tatooine took about a week. Too long. Way too long. Especially because you were sharing your quarters for this journey, weren't you? Yes, with a man who snored like a gundark and a child who decided that I was a much better play buddy than him. I woke up several times to her bouncing on my bed. Do you know how dangerous that is for her? I pulled a knife on her three times. And only twice I didn't mean to. And Castian, you like to fiddle with toys, don't you? It's not fiddling. It's it, I like to re-examine and reimagine them. It's it's a hobby. It's, I don't play with toys. But Kip does. What does this one do? Where's this one from? Oh my gosh, is this a rare collector's item? Uh, Oops, I didn't mean to. The wing doesn't come off that way. I swear, child, if your parents weren't already dead, I would have killed them and then and, and broke their wings. My parents didn't have wings. Well, good. Do you have wings? Oh my god. TK, get this child out of here. So it has been a blessed couple hours of silence as Laris is escorting these passengers to wherever their destination is here on Tatooine. So Castian is just focusing right now on the journal. And what has he learned this last week of him trying to understand peace and quiet and solace while dealing with a, I don't know, 12-year-old? He doesn't know. She's either four or 12, one of those. Definitely one of those ages. The journal that Kita left you is not easy to decipher, which is understandable. These are the musings, the memoirs of a person that has been on the run, whose very existence is a crime. So it makes sense that he would layer his thoughts beneath ciphers. So while some of it is very straightforward, others doesn't even seem to be written in a language that you recognize. But that's not to say that it hasn't been enlightening. You did find the number for a credit account. You haven't been able to access it yet because you have just landed on Tatooine. And as you noted, you didn't really want to leave the ship here. Besides, would you even actually trust any bank on Tatooine to make a secure connection for something like this? Remember, we are in hut territory. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's not interested in leaving this ship. But it does make you somewhat optimistic that there may be some form of windfall coming your way. You also recognized with further study that some of these glyphs and runes that are in Kita's journal, they're very familiar. And it takes you a beat to place where exactly they're familiar from. But at one point, you are idly handling your lightsaber hilt. Doing the, the basic maintenance and upkeep for it, making sure all the connections are clean, making sure it's polished. And for the first time, you realize that the decorations on this hilt, for of course it was originally Mudonin's, may not merely be decoration. They may mean something because you recognize the runes as being from Kita's journal. Castian kind of fumbles with the uh, lightsaber, almost dropping it as he just, he doesn't even register. He just kind of looks at a symbol 
No, it's like, oh, yeah, Kida's been drawing that one. Wait, what? And he immediately goes back. Uh, Casting had originally thought this was like a Thorian. And then when he couldn't find it, like any of the script using any translation program, he thought it was like maybe ancient Thorian, some sort of religious text that he couldn't get his hands on. But now that he actually sees that the Kida's been, been writing using the same glyph, he immediately goes, and is there like a cipher that uh, Kida had used like that, that allows Castian to kind of translate what they mean? There is a cipher. Let's see how well you can break the code. Please give me a knowledge education check. We're going to make this average difficulty. And with this journal, do I get any bonuses, a blue die? No, because the journal itself is what you're using for the cipher and to see if you have the key. Uh, I got one advantage. With one advantage... You can't actually translate it. You can't sit down and say, oh, yes, this is an A, this is a B, I can now read everything. But you can intuit it. You don't understand every individual letter, but you're getting the gist of what it says. You can begin to feel in your gut what Kida was saying. And as for the writing that's on the lightsaber hilt, they're coordinates. Clear as day, they are coordinates. You're an idiot that you couldn't tell that they were coordinates earlier. Could you give these coordinates to Laris? Not on your life. So it basically, I recognize uh, it's written in a way where it's kind of like having a social security number. You know that, oh, with this many letterings, this is how you give a social security number. What's a social security number? I don't know. They all blanked out or I don't recognize the numbers. So he knows that it follows the algorithm that you would use to put coordinates in. Yes. He just has no idea what those coordinates are. Castian's excited. He, he, he immediately stands up and says, Bone! Bone! Bone, where are you? Sir, do you not remember? R3B1 accompanied Captain Larry. Oh, it's you. You're still here. Skitter. I was hoping Bone can help me translate something. What is it that requires translation, sir? It's none of your business. It's something beyond your circuits. It's a, it's an old language that I can't quite decipher. And he holds up the journal. Ah, Titan glyphs. How the hell do you know what Titan glyphs are? What the hell's Titan? As part of the separatist movement, I was sometimes called upon to translate items that we had procured. Cassian squints at him. Skitter squints back. How? He has bug eyes, but Castian's not going to question. He's just going to uh, shove the, the, the cipher in front of the creature's face and then show off his lightsaber hilt. Uh, can you tell me what my lightsaber hilt says? Of course, sir. Skitter says as he rolls a triumph and three successes. Wow. Castian waits for a second or two before realizing he, he needs to actually ask another question. Oh, can you tell me what it says now? Yes. Another pause in the Castian size. Tell me what it says right now. It is a set of coordinates. And he gives you the exact coordinates. Castian pulls out a pen that he has on him and he quickly starts scribbling in the margin of the journal and then repeats it back to Skitter. Correct. Uh, fantastic. Thank you, Skitter. You are incredibly creepy. And Castian turns away and walks back towards the bridge. And he's going to be trying to see if he can find out where these coordinates lead to using the astrological computer uh, in the Howling Gundark. The coordinates lead to the Outer Rim Territories in the Ashworlds sector. Oh, that place is pretty abandoned. 
the Coffrigen system. Coffrigen, Coffrigen. I don't know that. Castian's going to look up anything he can find on the sector, on the Coffrigen system, anything. And let's stick to our theme of actually using the knowledge skills. So please roll me an Outer Rim knowledge skills check. Difficulty? This is going to be average, and I will give you a boost die now because you have something specific that you're looking for. Uh, I got one success and one advantage. Very nice. You discover that the Coffrigen system hasn't been at the center of territorial disputes, but has been part of territorial disputes as the borders have shifted between different powers, sometimes the Coffrigen system has kind of been swept up in it. Nobody's been fighting for it specifically, just more, hey, this is part of the space that we want to own because we want to have more territory. And who who always claims that? Different warlords, nobody of actual note. Okay. And the Ashworlds, and if Castian remembers right, uh, that was just a uh – that was a system that used to be part of like a mini empire back in the day and it collapsed. So it's kind of a war-torn area. Yeah. Okay. So this is a coordinates leading to a planet that really serves no importance. Interesting. Caspian's going to mumble a couple things as he scribbles things down uh, just so he remembers. Coffergen, Ashworlds, things like that. And he's going to wait for Laris to return. And it isn't too long before Laris and Bone return. Hey, Laris, how was Tossy Station? I did pick up the power converters that we need. Oh, I didn't know we actually needed to have this changed. It is best practices to do proper maintenance on them every six months. And the child and the former stormtrooper? They have been delivered to the address safely. Good, good. And uh, you made sure the girl didn't steal any of my collectibles, yes? It was not my responsibility to do a thorough I, security I check. I told you when you she left that she was eyeing several of my toys. Now, action figures. Collectibles. And I wanted to... Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll double-check my things. Um, uh, Laris, I, I, I was uh, curious. Do you have any assignments uh, on the docket? No, I do not currently. Uh, excellent. Um, I was wondering if you could take me to the Ash Worlds. And I think I could pay. I think I could pay. I just need you to access the bank account. Uh, and Castian shows her the account that was in Kita's book. Uh, Kita left this journal to me, and there's an account in it, and I figured, you know, whatever is in there could go towards you and to the ship. I know we have to make some cosmetic changes since the Empire is currently probably looking for a vessel of this shape and size. Whatever's in there, I'm willing to give to you. I just need you to take me to the Coffrigen system. There's a planet there that I'm uh, I'm curious about, and I, I think it's it's uninhabited. I'm not finding any information that says it's inhabited, and I, I kind of need to keep a low profile. Of course, sir. Good, good. So um, where can we do this exchange to see if the account is uh, – see how much is in the account? We must go to the bridge. Oh, you can do that here. I, I, I was going to do that too, but I, I felt it was unsafe, you know, with some how the banking systems are in Tatooine. I do not need to rely upon the Tatooine banking system. Oh, delightful. And Castian's going to follow her. He's, he's actually as curious to see how much Kida has in these accounts. So I'm just going to roll a d100, multiply it by 100. Great. So roll the 56, 5,600 credits. Castian holds up his hands. Yes! Yeah! <laughs> Thank you, Kida. He sold me into slavery, but you know what? This almost makes up for it. 
Castian looks towards Laris. I, I that could that 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 takes me back in the out of the red. It pays off some of my rent uh, for the next couple of months, and it pays some f- for some fuel and some upgrades. It's all yours. I do appreciate that, sir, but it is not necessary. What do you mean it's not necessary? You're a legitimate businesswoman, and I, as a customer, want to pay ahead. I shall secure the credits in your name, but it is not necessary to pay that far ahead. Laris, I'm trying to do the right thing. You've been here. Every time I need someone to- You do not need to pay so much in advance, and in fact, I will not accept that many credits. Fine. Then, then you know what? I'll leave the account open with you, and you deduct whatever you need whenever you need it. Is that agreed? Agreed. Fantastic. So, I need you to take me to the Coffrigen system. It's these exact coordinates. I don't know which planet that I'm going to, but it's wherever those coordinates lead. Of course. And Castian is going to take a step back and sit back in his seat and then finds that he needs to adjust it, which he grumbles about the entire takeoff. Like, I can't believe she would scoot. And the way she and she's completely ruined the cushion. She it, Was she bouncing the entire time? It's ridiculous. Oh, why is it sticky? Why is everything that child st- touched sticky? I thought she was supposed to be royalty. And with your complaints hanging in the hot air of Tatooine, Laris takes off. What a useless planet. After Laris leaves the Tatooine system and lays in the course to the Coffrigen system, she informs you that it is going to be a two-week journey. So, Castian, how would you like to use this two weeks? Castian is trying to unwind after facing a nightmarish force such as Vader. He's trying to kind of not rely on the force, just study the force. Interesting. And of course, naturally, he's going to repair the damage to his collectibles that Kip broke. Uh, So that's also something he's doing. But of course, even as you are alone with these journals, alone with your studies, you're never truly alone, are you? Castian's alone. No, absolutely. He is not. There's nothing. There's nothing with him. There's it's just him. It's just him. Why do you deny me? I thought we had such a special relationship. I don't know what this is, but you're not real. You're not real. You're not real. You're, you are a manifestation of my dark fears. You are a corruption that my mind has given a voice to. <laughs> so self-centered. I am not self-centered. I am being a rationalist. This is not... This is not how the dark side is. This is this is this is this is a madness that I'm dealing with. A madness which I will medicate myself with eventually and get rid of you. What do you think you know of the dark side? I know plenty. I was an inc- I am not talking to myself in a room. I'm not crazy. Castian looks towards the door and there's Skitter staring at him. What do you want? Dinner, sir. Uh, I'm skipping tonight. Bye. That is not healthy. <laughs> Castian is going to squeeze his eyes and just try to shut off this voice in his head. He's now acknowledging it that it is a voice in his head. It's not a thought. It's not instinct. It is an active voice. And no, Castian is not dealing with it. He is not focusing on it. He is ignoring it, which is healthy. So Castian is going to delve into learning the Jedi way. Delve, throw everything it is. There's one thing you could say about Castian is when he puts his mind to something, he could absolutely zero in and just focus on nothing but that to the point where he skips meals, skips bathing. He just goes into hermit mode. 
And after two weeks, 14 hours, and three minutes, Laris calls you to the bridge. Uh, Castian's going to meet her there. Lucky for her, he made sure to shower two days ago, so he doesn't stink entirely. He does. He is sporting a rather uh, a little bit beyond a five o'clock shadow. I apologize that we are running late, sir. No, no, no. Um, did we figure out which planet we're going on? It is the fifth planet in the system. Does it have a name? All records refer to it merely as Coffrigen Five. No, it's one of those planets. You know, a planet's well wanted when it's named after the system. And so, Castian, he he takes his seat. And uh, leans back as we exit hyperspace. And you exit hyperspace within sight of Coffrigen 5. It is a terrestrial planet made up of forested mountains and grassy plains. Is there like any space traffic? Are we looking at any, are there any space stations in the area? No, the system is uninhabited. But this is a livable planet. Yes. Laris, no one lives on this place? Not according to records. Uh, it took us 14 days to get here. I'm not surprised. It's a little bit out of the way. It looks peaceful enough, doesn't it? Looks can be deceiving, sir. Uh, you don't have to tell me. I've been to Dathomir. Uh, uh, pull the planet to the, up, up on my screen. I'm going to scan it and see if I can get a better read for the area. Of course, sir. They don't have the best scanners, unlike their original ship. But it does give them, like... This has high vegetation, prairie, basically what you said. And Castian's finally going to mumble, I'll be honest with you, it absolutely is a place that Madonan would love. Loved. I mean, this place, it seems like there's no there's no towns, there's no cities on it. It just seems like it's nothing but ocean and jungle. Castian's going to look for anything, like any power, any sign of a power source. Give me a perception roll as you scan this planet, Castian. Average difficulty, give yourself a boost die because you have a ship to use. Two successes. You're about to give up on your scans because they're not showing you anything that you didn't already know. When some instinct guides you back to take a second look, and while you're not seeing any signs of civilization... There are not even ancient ruins here. This truly seems like a planet that has never been inhabited by sentient life. But there's one patch that's a little greener than the rest. I aim the scanners and try to get a bigger picture of like what's going on there. It is a valley. And it is about a three-acre area where the rate of growth for vegetation is 40% more than the average rate for the surrounding areas. Cassian uh, smiles a little bit before mumbling. That's Madonan's calling card. Uh, Laris, can we find a place to land here? And I bring up the coordinates. Of course. I was thinking I could stay here for a little while, just clear my head to get away from civilization. Maybe you could as well. If it is all the same to you, sir... As you pointed out, it would be wise to make cosmetic changes to the ship. And you can't exactly do that here. While there are traces of minerals important in the shipbuilding process native to this planet, there is no refinery to turn them into ores Castian, or alloys. Castian holds up a hand and says, I understand. Uh, do you have a place in mind where you can go? Someplace safe? Yes, I do have some connections that can assist me. All right. Um... It took you about 15 days to get here, since this is 
This is deep in the ash wilds. Two weeks, 14 hours, and three minutes. As I said, there were some gravitational anomalies that forced us to take a different path. It would have been worse. How long will it take for you to do the cosmetic changes and to come back? It may take as long as a month. I think uh, a month away would do me good. It would do us both good. And, and I'm, I'm leaving the account open for you. Feel free to use it whenever you need the income. It's best if I just disappear for a month and uh, clear my head. One does not stare Vader in the face or the visor and um, come out of that not a little scared. I, I just need to um, realign some things. Of course, sir. And could you do me a favor? Take Bone with you. He needs to get some proper repairs, uh, better than what I was able to do with him. Just wherever you go, make sure they treat him to a whatever a droid considers a spa day, an oil bath. Indeed, I would appreciate one too. Yeah, and this one as well. And and start looking through his data files. He has a lot more information than I was led to believe. I have lied about nothing, ma'am. Castian rolls his eyes and just says, go away. He looks to Laris, who nods, and he goes away. I'm not liking this dyna- this power dynamic between us. I-, I feel like he doesn't respect me. You are merely a passenger on the ship. Mm. And you did turn off his power more than once. I just want to point out that that was for that. that I regret nothing of that, and I will, I will do it again. And you question why he may not respect you. Laris, okay. Can you draw me off or not? We are descending. The descent onto Coffergen 5 is smooth sailing, such as it were. Without any sort of ship traffic or severe weather, it is very easy for Laris to set the ship down. This is a nice planet to live on. It's pleasant weather, it's nice vegetation. It seems like the only problem is it is so far away from anything. As she's preparing to land, Castine is going to be putting together a survival pack. And uh, while he's leaving most of his stuff here, he is taking his mother's data pad. A couple of the pictures of his parents, uh, that journal definitely, his lightsaber, and then just survival gear, enough to allow him to hunt and fish and sleep for the next month here. He's actually trying to psych himself up. This is going to be a good place for him to focus on Castian. Laris, Skitter, and Bone all meet you at the loading dock. Castian is going to kneel down as he notes that Bone is already rolling forward towards the ramp. And he's like, no, Bone, but Bone... You're going to go with Laris, and she's going to give you a proper oil bath. You smell awful. I know you'd rather stay with me. I'd rather stay with me, too, compared to staying with Skitter. I've heard that, sir. But I want you to stay here and make sure that Laris and Skitter are fine. They they could really use the help. And then with these cosmetic changes, they, no one knows the ship better than you. You'll pick me up in a month. Thank you. I'll miss you, too. Cassian is going to look towards Skitter. Be careful and make sure that Laris is fine, and thank you for your help finding these coordinates. It was really appreciated. Skitter marches up to you and puts one of his appendages on your leg. I know shows of emotion are difficult for you, sir, but I know what you're feeling in your heart, and I just want you to know that I know. Castian is just going to stare blink, and slowly remove the appendage, and then walk away. And Cassian's going to step up in front of Laris. And he knows she's not comfortable with emotions, more so than him, and so he's just going to hold out a hand for a handshake. 
I look forward to you fulfilling your contract and picking me up in a month. I, it was a pleasure doing business with you. And I... Laris cuts you off by grabbing your hand and pulling you in for a hug. Destin is going to make a face, but he's definitely going to return the hug. And then he, after uh, like uh, 30 seconds, he's going to let go and step back. Are you sure everything's okay? I am currently functioning within acceptable parameters. Laris presses something into your hand. This is an emergency beacon. It is long distance. Should you press it... I will come as quickly as I can. I'll be fine, but thank you. Well, um, I will see you in a month, Laris. <laughs> Don't forget about me, okay? Of course not, sir. All you two chuckleheads, you keep an eye on her as well. Um, and I uh, look forward to uh, camping for the next month. Thank you for dropping me off. And be careful out there. Uh, 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 and may the force be with you, always. I, I said that right, I think. Yeah, may the force be with you. None of us have a connection to the Force, sir. It's, it's something a Jedi says. It's, you're supposed to say, and, oh, and also with you. It, it feels inappropriate I, for me to say it. It's not part I was, I was just try, I was trying something new. I understand that I shouldn't have done that now. Now I feel silly, and this is, this is weird. And Castian's going to walk down the uh, ramp, uh, hollering over his shoulder. I'm sorry for trying to be different. And he's going to march, I guess, into the brush. Like, I guess we landed kind of in a clearing. And so Castian is going to be marching uh, deeper into this valley. I mean, honestly, Castian doesn't really know what he wants. He just kind of wants to get away from things. And on, spending a month in a jungle sounds like something Madonan would do. So it's something that he should do. And no matter how much that voice in his head is telling him this is a bad idea, he's, he's going to do it. You should not be here. There is something wrong with your friend. Why do you not stay with her? She's fine, and Castian's going to just Castian's going to shake his head, realizing he doesn't want to get in the habit of answering the person in his head. Crazy people do that, and then he just kind of mumbles to himself, "She's fine. He, she's fine. You're just making excuses because you don't want to go camping. He doesn't want to. You, you, you are making excuses because you are afraid of confronting the voice and realizing it is just a manifestation in your head. So you are trying to make up reasons, Castian. You are a sly devil, but I'm on to you." So Castian is going to keep on walking. And a couple of minutes into your walk, you hear the engines fire up on the Howling Gundark, and Laris takes off, leaving you well and truly alone. Or are you? Oh my goodness. We are 10 minutes into the walk, and I am already hearing you more often. I told myself I wouldn't. Castian, sing. I'm a Coruscanti maiden, I'm a Coruscanti maiden, look at me sway, 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 I'm a Coruscanti maiden, I'm a Coruscanti maiden, won't you see my little blush today? And so he's like just trekking through this wood, singing a opera that he had to go see far too many times with Tremaine. The jungle that you're walking through is in some ways very reminiscent of that jungle where you first met Mudonan. It's not as tropical. But it is certainly just as green. It is the only place where you have seen as much green as you have since that first fateful meeting with Mudonan. Castine is going to stop after about an hour, given that he is tired of singing, and take a sip from his canteen. And then he's going to notice a flower. And it's very bright and sparkling. And Castine is going to kneel in front of it and examine it and say, like, Mudonan, you would have loved this place. I mean, my goodness, I maybe this is... A garden of yours, I mean, 
It was on your lightsaber. It's beautiful. If you're there, I haven't heard from you in a while, but it is beautiful. There's no one here but me. I'm a Coruscant maiden. I'm a Coruscant maiden. And he just stands back up and he's going to start walking across. It's a log that has fallen across like a river. And he's just going to balance himself across uh, towards the bank. Please give me an athletics roll. This is going to be average with both of those dice upgraded. I got one advantage, three light side points, and one success. I'm just going to not use the force, but Mm -hmm. one success. The log begins to crumble under your feet. It must be much older than you thought it was at first, so it is dried out, desiccated, hollow inside. But you're almost to the opposite shore at this point, so while it does crumble away beneath you, it doesn't affect you negatively other than that. Castian jumps and lands on the bank. And turns around and holds up his hands in victory and says, ah, the jungle's not so hard. And he's going to turn back and he's just going to keep on trucking. Right now, Castian's going to try to find a nice place to sleep. Uh, Castian's remembering his survival training as an Inquisitor. And the first thing you do when you're in an unknown environment is to find a safe place where you could set up camp. And so that's what he's doing. Somewhere not right next to the water, but close enough to the water. So if he needs to go get water, it's not a horrible trek. But not so close that he can get swept away if it rains. Sounds like you need to give me a survival roll. And as we've said, it's pleasant weather. You're in a valley. It is nicely forested. So this is easy. This is just to see what do you find. One success. You find a shallow cave. It's about four meters deep, two meters wide. So it's certainly not spacious, but you do have enough room to stretch out. Yeah, Castian's going to throw down his bedroll, set up kind of like use a rock to make a little makeshift table. And it takes about an hour or so for him to feel comfortable. He's thrown up like a little uh, sheet in front of the cave. And by the end, he just takes a step back and kind of lets a grin touch his face. He's like, look at me. I'm, I'm rugged. I'm a rugged man. Cerise Nabella would like that about me. I'm rugged. And he kind of nods his head at that, kind of accepting his own compliment. And he's going to reach up and, like, scratch at his beard, his scruff. And then, uh, honestly, he's just going to try to – he's going to take the time to, to meditate. Ooh, look at that. Castian's going to sit on top of his cave and meditate. That seems very Jedi. It does seem very Jedi-like. All right. Madonin, let's do this. And Castian is going to climb up these rocks, kind of hop. And then he sits down and tries to focus and meditate on the, the, the force, the, the energies, the positive, the light side. Yes, that. What do you think you're doing? I swear to God, I will sing the Count of Corellia if you don't shut up. I am trying to focus on the light side and to 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 to, to meditate. And I pull out a, like the journal and I read it to focus on the 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 light the light inside you or bright inside you. Y'all, I swear to God, his handwriting is worse than a new nuts. Uh, I'm I'm either looking for the brightness or the lightness inside me. So one of those. Uh, shut up. Classian's going to close the, the book and focus on himself. There is no lightness inside of you. I, mm, I don't know what you are. Okay, let's, let's focus on that. Let's, let's focus on that. I am not going to get any relaxation until I shut you up. So what are you? You are 
me. You are my, my, my doubts and my fear. You know, Kida was making a very good point at one point. I, I believe that there was an actually a very interesting haiku that he might have put in there. Let me see if I could find that right now. And- Castian, please roll me Vigilance. This is going to be hard. All three of those dice are upgraded. I got four advantages, but two failures. As you are distracted, Castian, looking up this haiku or poetry or whatever it is that you were supposed to be doing. I mean, a minute ago you were going to be meditating and now you're very much off track, which means that you definitely don't notice when some of the vines hanging down from the trees above you have been lengthening. The vines have come down from the trees, elongating almost like snakes. They have started curling around you and in fact are beginning to snake around your ankles. And that's when you notice that the vines have moved. What the? And Castian is going to go for his lightsaber, honestly. As you stand up, you very easily break the hold of the vines. They weren't able to get a good grip on you because you did roll so many advantages. And now let's roll initiative. So now you can use cool because obviously you know that there is something weird here. Two advantages and a success. Try to beat that, flowers. Four successes and two advantages. Very good, flowers. Flower power, baby. There's a rushing sound as the river begins to flood its banks. You made sure that you were going to be safe from a rainfall causing the river to rise, but there was no way to prepare for something like this. And as this water rises, just within seconds, it is the fastest flash flood that you have ever seen, Castian. You are on the only patch of dry land that is visible. You are going to have two setback dice if you want to do any sort of maneuvering. So uh, there are trees around me, right? Yes. So Castian is going to uh, launch himself up using the force, and he's going to land on one of the branches, and hopefully he can deal with the vines and the limbs. But for now, he's just using a force jump. So I just need to make sure I generate my force. Mm-hmm. Castian is going to call on the dark side of the force and uh, use a point. So he got one corruption, and he's jumping. Now you're up within the branches of the trees, and these trees are large. Think of like weeping willows, where once you are within the branches, it completely blocks out the outside world, which also means that you don't have very much visibility very far in front of you. And two of the long, draping, vine-like branches come whipping at you and only get three advantages. So these vine whips crisscross in front of you, causing you to stumble backwards. And you are once again going to have two setback dice for your next roll. Castian is going to stumble back, try to catch his footing, and then he's going to try to cut his way out of this tree. Like, there's branches all around him. Those are possible attack points. So he's just going to spin and start cutting branches. All right. It's too difficulty. Both dice upgraded with a setback die. Remember, you do have four light side destiny points in front of you that you can use to upgrade your own dice. And I have two black dice because of the disadvantages. So I got one success and one advantage. Very nice. The deck was definitely stacked against you there. Castian is doing eight points of damage to this tree. And I, I know there's just, it's hard to 
take down a tree, but he's just cutting the branches around him so he can actually see what's going on outside. Mm -hmm. Honestly, he's a little bit more worried about his stuff inside that cave. There's a lot of important stuff in there. His mom's data pad, for one. You easily cut through these vines and these branches, looking out at the flooded landscape ahead of you. And by some miracle of the force, your pack that had your mom's data pad, your other key items for survival in it, is hanging by a branch a couple of feet away. Yeah, Castian's going to go for it. He's going to he's going to reach out a hand and with the force pull it towards him. Please roll me your force to see what you generate. Oh, only light side. Uh, yeah, Castian is going to use the light side to grab his pack and pull it towards mm-hmm. him, which means I am using one of my destiny points and I'm taking a strain. At first, the pack moves easily. It's a light pack. It's a flimsy branch, but it begins to resist. It begins to feel like there's extra weight in there and you're having to strain a little bit more to keep pulling it towards you. Please roll me your discipline. Average difficulty, upgraded twice. Two successes and a despair. As you're straining, Castian, you reach out your other hand to try to channel the force a little bit more, putting everything you have into getting the small, insignificant bag back in your hands. And just as you wrap your fingers around it, that resistance that was there immediately disappears. The pack is flung into your arms and you stumble backwards along this branch, falling into the trunk of the tree where immediately vines wrap around you, pinning you in place. But you have your pack. What about my lightsaber? Uh, You still have it, and it is in fact still activated, but the vines have twisted your arm, almost activating a pressure point, so you don't have a strong grip on it. Ah, ah, okay, 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 okay. I surrender. The vines don't release you, but they do relax the pressure a little bit. Uh, Please say that you're not just actually the plants and I have to negotiate my freedom that way. That'd really be a start to a bad vacation. Madonin? Where did you learn that name? You look around, you have just enough movement in your head that you can look down where the voice came from. And you can see standing on the top of the cave that you had been on just a moment before, a woman. She is completely dry, despite there being nothing but water everywhere that you can see. She is human, very tall, and old. It's difficult for you to gauge exactly what age she is, but you would say 60s or 70s, leaning more towards elderly than merely old. Her skin is wrinkled and frail, and her hair is bright white, cropped short. Do not make me repeat myself, child. She was a a friend? It was a complicated relationship. She's been trying to help me. Uh, She's dead. They all are. All Jedi? Yes. Madonin lasted a long time. She was killed no more than a year or so ago. She was a good person. She saved my life. 
and, and she said to me several times. I, I occasionally, when things got bad, I, I she 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 she's told me to go to Dathomir to save me from the dark side. She she would have loved this place. Well, not so much with the 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 flood waters and the killer vines, but uh, you know, when I first met her, she did a very similar trick. She she attacked me with vines. The entire jungle came to life. This is her blade. I know. Listen, I'm I'm not here to cause trouble. I didn't even know there was anybody on this place. I was just looking for a place to center myself, to to relax, to to hide from the empire for a little while. I and I I found. On, on her blade, there was these glyphs, and I finally was able to decipher them, and it, it, it was coordinates to this planet. Are you a Jedi? One of the branches from the tree lowers, becoming a ramp for her to walk up into the branches. She comes to stand in front of you, looming over you, as a matter of fact. That's how tall she is. They did call me that once. I'm I, I'm Castian. Castian Sire. I was I was a youngling. Once. 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 I have been on a run for a while. And and Modonin she saved my life. And and, and Gerard Keita. He he also saved my life. It, it, his journal's actually in right here. In my pocket, right? I can't really get to it right now, as you can imagine, but I'm just... Who are you? I have no name. But they call me the Dark Woman. And you, Castian Saya, are trespassing. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always.